And our lives have changed over the past three years. I mean, we're, we went from playing in front of 10,000 people, 5,000 people supporting some of the biggest bands in rock and then coming home off the road and not being able to pay like even a phone bill to now, you know, fast forward three years, uh, we own everything. Uh, you know, we're all buying houses and we're all, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's just a different, it's a different level of, 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 uh, motivation. I mean, there's no, when I, when I make a record, there's no one to fight with. There's no pressure. There's no, the only expectations I have to live up to are my own, which are very high. My expectations are already high. Right. You know, uh, I've written every Adelita's Way song since the demos of the band, you know? <laughs> right. So I know what I'm capable of. I know the caliber that I have to be at, uh, and I felt like when I was at the record, when I was at Virgin Records, nothing bad on them. You know, if 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 a young band got offered a record deal right now, I would tell them to consider it uh, because this is a long game. Yeah. You know, it's a look. We're ten years. It's a marathon. In. Yeah, we're ten years in right now, and and arguably, uh, you know, from the from the general overview of how the past three years have been going. We're arguably the biggest we've ever been in our career right now. And it's because of the marathon. Yeah. It's because of the marathon. So, uh, but with that said, they're always changing staff and changing people. So when everyone's got an opinion, everyone's also got an asshole. Right, right. You know right. what I'm saying? Right, right. So you get these new guys that come in and start telling you what kind of songs to write and who your band is when you when I know who we are. Right. And who I am. Do you think you have to be established, though, before you go into So you do think there is some still need in the beginning, at least, for a record label? There's some good? It, it can happen both ways. It, that's a, that's a, a question. Totally individual. That, that there's a lot of individual situations. I mean, I've seen people put one song out on Vine and right. blow up. Right, right. You know? Uh, I've seen people blow up off YouTube. Uh, I've seen people blow up off of Spotify, you know, and, and I do think the one thing that's happening right now are fans are deciding who they like. There's still that major corporation jamming songs in people's faces. It's right. still happening because the radio stations at top 40 are still in cahoots with, you know, Interscope the big dogs. And, and the big dogs and the big dogs are still capable of jamming a track up your ass. Right. But since I've been in the game since 2006, it's diminished. When I started this in 2006, the major labels ran every aspect of the game. Yep. You couldn't even burn your damn CD on a disc without <laughs> them being like, what's this? You know, right. like you had no shot. The only answer was to get a demo and to give it to A&R guys and to pray you got a record deal. Now, for young bands, I mean, you could put a five-song EP on Spotify, go around town, hand out CDs or hand out whatever you are clever enough to think of because it's your band, and everybody in the town starts listening to you. And before you know it, you're starting an epidemic. I've seen it happen. I've seen a band like Nothing More come from a, you know, a band I heard vaguely about from maybe Texas to what they've become now. Right. And... 
do I give all the credit to the label they're on? No, I don't. I give credit to the to the technology that allowed people to decide if they like their music or not. Right. You know, if you make good songs, you can make a living in this business regardless of whoever is trying to help you or stop you. Well, it's a hit to hit, you know. It's it is. undeniable. It is undeniable. Like, you know, we have songs that never got one single spin on the radio that have three, four million listens on Spotify. Right. Because the fans decide if they want to keep listening to that song. Right. I find it easier to get new fans to listen to us as well. People are more trustworthy when you leave them. Go to your Spotify and check your band out and listen to one song. And if they like the one preview, if they're surprised by you being better than they anticipated, they dive in. And when they dive in, anybody that... Here's what I'll say confidently. Not anybody because some people could fight the notion. Some people like hippie music. Some people like EDM only. Right, right. But the majority of the population, if you have them dive into our five album catalog, they will come out being almost super fans of ours. They will come out and say, dude, I had no idea. That's because you you got so much variety. It's not one thing, one style, one... So many songs. There's so many good songs. Everyone comes to, to see us and they all have a different favorite song. Yeah. They all have a different favorite. Each person. Oh, this brother is my favorite. Somebody wish they were you. Last, I mean, it's just like the list is like 40 songs deep of what you. I do it all the time. I meet, I do meet and greets after our setup. Like, what's your favorite song? And it's always. I mean, occasionally we get the one group of people like Notorious that your new single. Right, right. That's <laughs> on the radio right there. Yeah, you'll get groups of people who'll be like, I never even heard of you until Notorious. Right. But then when those people even dive in, we're not a band that's defined by one song. We're a band that's defined by our catalog. That's a great thing about Notorious. A lot of lot of variety, you know. There's oh, yeah. heavy songs like uh, Ready for War, a moshing song almost. And then you have like Tell Me, which is like a ballad and then some, uh, some other ballads. But it's a good variety. That's what I really like about them. A little aren't, bit of everything. Aren't we all variety, though? What, yeah. What, what guy do you know or what girl do you know that doesn't like the opposite sex or the same <laughs> sex? A lover. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. We all have our moments where we feel like a passion. Ready for War is not really even a Ma song. It's just a, a passionate... I wrote it with passionate lyrics about something I felt passionately about. With, Which was? There's multiple sides of it, but the main thing that inspired that song was I almost saw like a civil war amongst citizens and police officers will always say, not nasty things, but, but you hear some Americans who will say things about the military and I don't think that they realize what these people put on the line every day. You know, having people I love in my life uh, I know how much of a risk that is to, to lose those people or to, or to go to work every day and put your life on the line and maybe not come home, whether you're uh, in the Marines or you're a police officer. I wrote a song just in the mindset of what of what these guys have to go through every day because I know that, that the majority of good police officers, the majority of good uh, people in our military, they want peace they want no conflict but they got to be prepared for anything and that's how we all are in life you want to walk in this bar you don't want to fight anyone there but if someone comes up to you and you're with your wife or you're with your kid or you're with your best friend you almost have to know how to not get your ass kicked or killed or you know what i'm saying Uh 
that was a lot of the driving force for that song for me. I recognize that these people put a lot on the line to go to work every day, to keep our community safe, to keep this country free. And I felt like for a minute, there was a serious lack of appreciation throughout the whole nation. There are a lot of people that support the officers and the troops, but there was also what I felt media-wise going on was like a civil war. Beyonce made a video that was like degrading police officers. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a song for them. Yeah. I love the uh, title track, too, since we're talking about individual songs. It's funny, when I hear that, I hear the chorus, it almost makes me think of, like, uh, did you see The Last Star Wars? Yeah. When it, when when they're, like, you know, your general solo, and he's like, it's true, it's all true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look. <laughs> That's what I kind of picture when I hear that chorus in my head. Notorious is a state of mind, dude. People, people will think of, they'll try to connect it to the person they know. People are like, oh, you know, Biggie Smalls, Notorious. No. It was just Biggie Smalls' mentality. Biggie Smalls came from nothing and became something. And that's what Notorious is. It's about knowing who you are, going after what you want and taking what you want and letting people see the level of confidence you have yourself. It's a song to not be modest on. You know, it's, that's, that's, there's plenty of time to be modest. We have a lot of times in our life where we're modest. Going after your dreams, there's no time to be modest. It's like, what is it, the ego and the id and all that? That's that's the ego, right? Well, it's just it's just the confidence. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. You gotta have it's that. It's the confidence. It's Biggie Small came out and said, I came from the ghetto, I'm nothing, and now I'm considered the best rapper in the world. And what was it that took him to that place? It's because he really felt like he was the best rapper in the world. I feel like we're one of the best rock bands in music, and I feel like it's just a matter of time until this generation recognizes that. It's a matter of time until everyone looks back and reflects on our history as a band. Maybe one day we'll be like Cream underrated or, you know, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of underrated bands in history. Absolutely. Uh, who have a lot of great songs. and But I don't mind that. I don't mind being that. I don't, I don't have to be the number one gun in the whole world. I have to have the mentality that I'm striving to be the number one gun because the music I make, some people will think that we're the best. Some people will come out at the end of this all and say, yeah, but they have more songs than everyone else. They, or they had better this or they were better live or they you know our tale will be written and my mentality right now is in the mentality notorious I'm striving to be um, I see people sleeping on us I see people uh, almost hoping to forget about us <laughs> in a sense of even other artists you know they know they know we're killers and we're not going to stop until our story is completely written I think we're going to have more great songs. And I think by the time I'm too old to play on stage, <laughs> people are going to walk out of whatever concert we play and say, they didn't play five of my favorite songs. They didn't play any of the early stuff. No, I'll always play the early stuff. I always play the early stuff. I just try to... People like some of the deep cuts, man. Yep. People like some of the cuts that aren't hits. They're not the six or the invincible Right. You know, they didn't hear it on the WWE, you know? <laughs> Let me ask you about one other new gem, the real world. I've had that mentality about the real world ever since I was 11 years old. I knew I wasn't going to be someone that clocked in at 7.05 and clocked out after 9 or 10 hours. I always knew it. I couldn't take direction like that. I, I, had, some, I had a fire inside of me that I was going to be a rebel, that I was going to be a, not a nomad, a traveler. I was going to be a, 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 a drifting man, you know? <laughs> And uh, a vagabond, but it's not even a vagabond. We live good. I mean, yeah, we drive 
to where we go and then we we got our little plush hotels we've upgraded into and like we live nice. good we have fun together i mean our lives you know obviously could it be better could we be in the 80s and 70s where there was billions of dollars and the excess I would love that, but I don't feel like we're sleeping on floors and we're, we're, we've never done that. We've been in nice hotels and we've been playing in front of people for 10 years and we've been selling, you know, we have an army of people. So our story isn't like some of these bands where we're like, man, we're just trying to make it to the next gig. We're not trying to make it to the next gig. We're trying to all buy multiple houses. You know, I want, I want Andrew to buy, to own two houses in Vegas by the time he's done (laughs) with Adelia's way. I want Trevor to own two houses. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Our goals are different, uh, and we're still striving towards that because we're taking a really ground, grassroots way. It might take us 20 years, man. It might take us 20 years to finally start getting the respect that we deserve. We might not start selling out House of Blueses until I'm 40, but it's going to happen one day. It's going to happen one day because of the songs. Hell yeah. Hey, you mentioned home, Vegas. I, I, I don't even know what to say. How is the city, and, and where were you kind of when the shooting went down? And it's, your kind it's of tragic. It's tragic anytime something happens in a city that beautiful, in any city. You don't want anyone ever to be, you know, tragedy happens. It's, it's re- a reality, unfortunately, in our society. Um, people lose their mind and uh, take it out on other people. But I don't want that to stain the most beautiful city in the United States of America. You know, uh, Las Vegas is home. I'm going to raise my kids there. I think it's just so beautiful, fun. It's everything I ever dreamed of. I think the only problem I have with Las Vegas is my life might be going by too quickly because I'm enjoying life so much. I find it that I wake up and another year has passed because I'm enjoying life too much. I'm a man who's living my dream career-wise. I have a beautiful family in Las Vegas where I think is paradise. I, I I enjoy the good life, man, and I'm living it, and I'm and I feel great about it. That's what it's all about. And speaking of Vegas, Golden Knights, you been to a game yet? I haven't been to a game. I'm gonna go in February. But Andrew and Trevor have both been to games, and and they're very supportive of, of the team. And look, I'm a Philadelphia Flyers boy, but I'm gonna support Vegas because I I rep it, man. You know, I rep Las Vegas. That's my that's my spot. The Knights are gonna be my team. How are the Flyers this year? Awful. Last place. <laughs> Awful. My Ducks have been struggling too, but they've... I went to a Ducks game yesterday. Oh, yeah? Went to a Ducks game. Yep. They won that one 3-2. Yep. We were there. Gets off first game back, so, I mean, we we got to get healthy. Long season. A lot of season left. Yeah. A lot of season we left. Look, the, Peng- the Penguins are in the middle. You know, they're the best team in the NHL. They're yeah. sitting at, like, the bottom middle right now. Yep. You know, everything's going to change over the... Vegas at the top of the standings. That'll be interesting to see if that... Let's see if it holds. Let's see if it holds. We're an expansion team. I keep our expectations realistic, and I wouldn't mind getting a good some good draft picks, you know? Hell of a team to start with, man. If the team's coming out on fire, I, all I can do is support them and, and uh, put good energy into them continuing their victories. They're, you know, they're individuals at the end of the day. We can't just say, oh, the, the Golden Knights are an expansion team. Like, these are guys going out there working for this. They're working extra hard in the gym. They're working extra hard on the ice. And oh, yeah. you got to give credit where it's due. Yeah, they're killing it so far. So good. And so, yeah, that's right. You're a Philly sports fan. Eagles, Wentz. I mean, it's the touchiest subject of my <laughs> month, I'm thinking, at this point. Uh, I'm very sad about it. I'm very sad about it. I believe in Carson Wentz. When we traded for him, I celebrated. I threw a party because I knew he was a superstar. Everyone hit me up and said, what do you think about that trade? I said, I'm 100% sure that we got a franchise quarterback. And this was before this guy threw one pass in the NFL. He's everything I thought he was going to be. He's going to come back and be everything we all thought he was. 
He was leading the NFL in touchdown passes. I didn't think he was going to do that in his second year in, but I was thinking maybe third, fourth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so big Wentz fan, big supporter. How are they going to uh, do now with Nick Foles, right? I think we're toast. <laughs> I think we're toast. I mean, look, I'm over here hyping Carson Wentz up like he's the next superstar. Can't lose your superstar and win a Super Bowl. So I foresee us falling short to a team like the Patriots or the Steelers or the Falcons or the Saints, a team who has that elite quarterback play and defensive presence. And, I mean, there's multiple hey, teams my that Rams, have it. My Rams gave you a good run for the money. I mean, that was a close game. Yeah, they did. The Rams are for real, man. And you know what? People were trying to call Goff a bust last year. I kept saying, ah, wait. I watched Goff play in college. I watched him a lot. I was like, you got to give this guy another year or two. He's not going to be like this. (laughs) He's not going to be Bambi. Yeah. And then he comes out in year two, and and he's just crushing chumps. Yeah. I think a lot has to do with Andrew Whitworth, that that left tackle they got from... uh the Bengals, who's solidified that line and really coming back. I think it's going to have to do a lot with McVay, too. You guys yeah. got a brilliant coaching yeah, mind. Yeah. What a great hire. And also, let's give credit to Goff. What a, yeah. lot, a lot of hard work, a lot of film study, a lot of gym time, a lot of chemistry with his teammates. Goff came back uh, in year two. Give credit to Jared Goff. Hey, one other thing I wanted to talk about with you. We talked about last time, and I give you the credit all the time for helping me come up with the name for it, the uh, Flannel Five. Oh, yeah. Remember we talked about yep, this? Nirvana, Alice in Chains. I think you said STP was your, your number one. Number one's Nirvana. Okay, Nirvana. Yep, Nirvana's my... Look, Nirvana to me, I remember going back before anybody could tell you what... You know, pop culture could tell you what was cool, before your friends could tell you what was cool. I would sit in my room and play video games and listen to the Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana. Nirvana, STP, and Pearl Jam, and and I was in my room listening to these bands as a 12-year-old kid, 11-year-old kid, 13-year-old kid, with no influence of anybody telling me what was cool or what I should like or what, what, you know, I just listened to the songs and the singers and the band, and, you know, Nirvana was a soundtrack to my life in the 90s, man, you know, and it wasn't that I felt necessarily the way the Kurt Cobain felt. Mm -hmm. It was more that I connected to the fact that they were just so melodic and so, you know, had such a a vibe and I don't know, man. It just, it it was so good to just sit in my room, blast my radio and, and, and hear... Uh, yeah, give me some jams. You know, rate me. You know, my friend. I mean, it's all of them. You know, like about a girl. You know what I mean? The Offspring was another band, man. I used to play that Smash record. I played oh, yeah. that. I played that Smash record until tape unwound in my tape player. Nice. And at that time, a lot of people were listening to Pantera. Mm-hmm. I just was listening to the Smashing Pumpkins. You They're know? from the uh, uh, Offspring's from here, or right down this, right down the road. Yeah, dude, we we played with them, and it was one of the one of my biggest accomplishments I feel in my uh, in my career. Another band too, Bush. I don't know what happened to Bush. I mean, Bush. They put out an album in the past year or so, but. Yeah, but it wasn't. Hey, let me ask you about uh, about a band that I've had a uh, up and down relationship with. I fell in love with them, fell out of love with them. And now I've fallen back in love with them. They put out a great new album. Blew me away on the Summer Stadium Tour playing uh, the Rose Bowl here. The Mighty Metallica. Talk to me about Metallica. Maybe your introduction to them, your entry point into them, and and why you love them. I feel like you don't even got to say Metallica because everyone just already knows. You know, if you mention Metallica as one of your favorite bands or or band you listen to, everyone's just like, yeah, well, no, duh. I mean... But I don't think they should be passed over. Unforgiven. Unforgiven was what 
be sad but true. I mean, they're they're once you dive into Metallica, they have so many songs that are great. They have so many songs that are great that there's too many to even list. <laughs> what do you love about them? I love James Hetfield. I love James, and you know what? I love Lars too. People, people. It's so funny. I hear drummers on Lars, and I hear people always say things about Lars, but some of the dumbest shit Lars does on those songs, I like. I like when he's like, like, like hitting, you know, weird snares and, and spots <laughs> and stuff. I like it. I think it, I think it, it adds, you know, when I hear the composition, I think he's playing standout music too, you know? He's obviously in a band with a, a virtuoso. Yeah. James Hetfield is a, mel- a melody virtuoso who can growl and sing when he wants. His guitar playing is probably the best in rock, I think, as far as writing... Riffs. And his tone. And his right hand. And his right hand. And his and the notes he goes to. And, yeah, come on. <laughs> when you got James Hetfield in your band, you're good. Let me get you on, uh, on this one. You know, Flannel 5 we did. I'm trying to already think ahead to the next one. Working title. Maybe you'll make it better like last time. New metal six pack. New metal six pack. But you gotta watch out because none of the new metal bands have a six pack. <laughs> Here we go. Lincoln Park, Rage, Corn, Limp Biscuit, Slipknot. That's the five solid. The six I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure out between Disturbed, System of a Down, or Papa Roach. You need to have eight of them because it's <laughs> all of them. You know, it's the crazy eight, dude. It's like it's eight. Those eight. You can't name a new metal situation without Disturbed, or maybe even Papa Roach. I mean, more Disturbed, though. Dude, Disturbed was, is huge, dude. I played arenas with that band. I played... I seen Draymond get lowered from the ceiling. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, and they're another band. I think they got so many songs. Yeah. They got so many songs. What comes to mind? Any any jams that you can think of? Oh, yeah. The whole first three albums. <laughs> you know? We listen to them a lot. Driving around. My favorite song, hands down, The Game, from the first album. Oh, I love that. I love that. My friend produced the first three records. You know, our producer who produces our records produced the first three Disturbed records. They sound amazing. Yeah. They sound amazing. Uh, the game's great. There's so many. There's so many. Uh, I love all those bands you named, by the way. Big Lincoln. Who would, who would, who would be Numerona? Would it be Disturbed or? No. It would probably be Linkin Park. I mean, you got to respect, A, the fact that they, they were able to shift with the times all the way up to the current. They were still on Top 40 Radio. They're still yeah. on Top 40 Radio right now. Right. They've also done what legendary bands done. They made Meteora. They made Hybrid Theory. They made Minutes to Midnight. Those three records right there are, are they're three of the best albums that came out in the past 20 years, I think. Obviously, there are other albums that are consistent, but down isn't the system of a down to me falls short of Linkin Park because they just made like one or two super dope ass albums. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then and then they broke up and went away. Right. They didn't put enough work in. Okay. Uh, in a sense, you know. Gotcha. They had their own sound and own style. It's identifiable, but Linkin Park is too. Hell yeah. Linkin Park is too. Voice of a generation, of course. Multiple two voices. You can't yeah. you can't sleep on either one of those guys. Both of those guys. Shinoda's good, and so is Chester. Well, it was Chester. I mean, yeah. I, I, that talk about that. Couldn't even believe it. I couldn't even believe. It. I thought people. I thought it was like one of those online. You know, when everyone was saying Fake Mike Goldblum. Yeah. What, what's uh, Jeff Goldblum? Right. Every other day they were saying Jeff Goldblum died, and I'm like, why has Jeff Goldblum died like 13 times today? I thought it was just a hoax. I wasn't even done mourning Chris. Yeah. In, in my mind, you know. That was really a and, double and whammy between the two. It was devastating. It was devastating, and, and it's and what makes me the saddest is we'll never get new music from either one. 
because they were both still on a roll, dude. That King Animal record that Soundgarden made last was one of my favorite albums that has come out, dude. It was it was so good. I listened to that record, I mean, for like months straight. And I didn't even put on anything else. I would just listen to it. I was like looking forward. I heard Soundgarden was about to write another record. I told my friends, like, Soundgarden doing another album. I'm waiting for this record, and then and then Cornell dies. And it's not just about me. It's just about it's about every fan that's never going to get to hear what he was going to do next. Yeah. He was saving people's lives and changing people's lives on a daily basis. Yeah. You know. And the same with Chester. I mean, it's it's just it's unfortunate. And and I think that a lot of it comes from the way artists are treated. You almost become anxious and depressed too often dealing with all these people that you're dealing with. I know for a fact that Chris Cornell and Chester went through the same trials and tribulations I went through probably on a on a bigger scale because they were these multi-million platinum selling artists you know right so you think the machine automatically produced depression I think it, I think it played a factor in combined with what other demons they've had and I think yeah I think the whole scenario I know a lot of artists and they all deal with this kind of like gloomy like oh man imagine this imagine having a girlfriend who changes who you are or tries to change who you are and and when you guys are getting along you're trying to do everything you can to get her to like you but you like her too and then when she dumps you she tries to ruin your life the pressure that that puts on you that's what they do the machine when they're done with you they don't let you off the ride and say okay guys go have fun go make some money now they let you off the ride and then they tell a hitman behind them get rid of them almost blackballed blacklisted yeah get rid of them I don't want to see them again. I don't want to see their name in a headline. I don't want to see them on a festival. I don't want to see them on the radio. Wow. Get rid of them. When you have that pressure looming over you, it's difficult. It's difficult. It's a, it's a lot of pressure. Absolutely. And coming from every which angle. Oh, yeah. You know, label, management, agent, home. Think, you want to think as a star or a superstar that these people are working for you, but it's the furthest thing from the truth. You work for a manager. You work for a label. You work for everybody. In the end, you get cut off on their terms. Oh, yeah. Not yours. I can tell you a story. Funny story happened down the street a million years ago. Speaking of System of a Down, headlining a tour with this band called Incubus opening up. One of my favorite bands. I was working at a radio station in Bakersfield, playing Hot I Say, playing Chick Rock, different music, but I was an Incubus fan. Talked to the record label, hey, can you give me in, blah, blah, blah. She told me at that show, she's like, yeah, we all love Incubus. They just put out Make Yourself. She told me, too, like, if this doesn't work out, they're done. They're getting cut. Unbelievable, right? That was like a month before the album came out, and then obviously it came out and blew up. But she told me, like, yeah, this we need this one to be a hit because Science, which is one of my all time favorite albums, Desert Island kind of thing, Science is in, is in there. Yeah, and it was just make yourself because they did the EP too. You know, Science, dude. I know Science. I mean, I know all these records, Incubus. Yeah. Incubus is one of my favorite bands, and, and I feel like they're getting lost a little bit. So the world still loves them, but the next generation of kids coming up, they don't really, they, they don't know how dope Incubus is. <laughs> they don't know how, how great that band is. And uh, I've used Incubus as, you know, as, as a as an influence or, a, a, you know, I look up to them. You know what I mean? I'm they're, they're a band, like you're saying, I used to go pay to see them play, mm-hmm. you know, even though I'm, I'm an upcoming artist at the time. Uh, I really respect 
uh, Incubus. I think they're I think they're one of the best. You get a lot of from Brandon vocally. No, <laughs> both, all of it. Songwriting, <laughs> guitar playing, the whole shabam, the whole shabam, the whole band, the whole sound, the whole vibe, the whole feel, everything. Have they lost you with the last couple, or are you still on board nope. just as strong as the beginning? Nope. Uh, what was the... Uh, i trying to remember what the last one was. I, I hear the melodies in my head, and the, the, the name of it is in my head. Uh, I listen to it all the time, dude. Yeah, they're great. I saw them in Deftones a couple, couple I'm gonna, summers ago. I'm going to look up the... Because I know it when you leave, I'm going to say... <laughs> oh, it was this. You, you know, uh, and, I, and I can hear the song in my head and the melody, because we've listened to it a bunch. It's Trevor's, one of Trevor's favorite bands as well. Absolution Calling, dude. Oh, that's on that's on the EP, right? Oh, I love that song, dude. <laughs> Absolution Calling is dope. Let me hit you with one last thing, and, and I appreciate all the time tonight. Always fun rapping with you. One other thing... I bitch about all the time on the radio that I totally miss is music and movies and soundtracks. Like, T2 and Guns N' Roses was like, you can't think about that that song and that movie without that song. Of course. It, it, it's, it's a perfect marriage. It's like peanut butter and jelly when yep. it works. Yep. And I hate that there isn't, but I bet you have a soundtrack that you wore out the tape on or the CD on. From a movie. Yeah, movie soundtrack. There definitely is a bunch. Throw a couple more at me. I mean, you named one of them. Terminator 2, Guns N' Roses... You know it's a good one? The Crow. Crow. What was the soundtrack to that? They had The Cure on there, Pantera, Machines of Love and Grace, My Life with the Thrill Kill Colt. There's, of course, singles. Talking about the Flannel 5, that had all the, the grunge stuff on there. They Freddy used to vs. Jason they, used to have, like, the new metal. They used to metal. do that way more, dude. Now they yeah. don't do that as much. Never. Lincoln Park was Lincoln the last Park one. Lincoln Park was the last one. What I done. Yep, that was awesome. I that mean, was, that's one of them. That was it, but especially with all these comic, like any action movie, any horror movie, that Mad Max movie that came out a couple years ago was screaming for hard rock metal soundtrack. With They've isolated us out, man. They've isolated us out. They don't want to. They want to spend the money that way. No, they just don't. They, everyone is so quick to say rock is dead that they're not even listening anymore. They're they're not even giving us our fair shake. There's plenty of bands that could have been in all these movies, big blockbuster hits, but they just keep using Lord, you know. <laughs> So it's it's uh, it'll come back or Hans Zimmer or whatever like they do all the cool instrumental stuff. But I think the future of the music business is 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 onward and upward. I think it's going to be in a in a in an arrow pointing up direction from this point out. I think we're going to get back to the good old days. Yeah, they're coming. Yep, I I do agree. I think there is a rock revolution coming. It, it, yep, it's, it's got to the the pendulum has swung so far one way. It's got to swing back the other way. It starts with great songs, and it's my duty and every artist's duty to continue to try. We can't just let them say, "Oh, rock is dead" or whatever. Like you don't know, dude. I might I might put out a timeless song when I'm 36. I might put out a timeless song when I'm 38. All I got to do is keep writing them, and one of them might turn into, uh, "Well, Mama told me." You never know, <laughs> right? You know, you don't know. It's just how you feel, and you got to write how you feel. And maybe maybe someday you'll write something so effective that everybody is touched by it. Amen. Good way to go out. 